0: Today on Blue 58, Romeo Dobbs had a breakout game in Week 3. How high is his ceiling? How long will this last? What should we expect from him for the rest of the year? Let's talk about it. Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of ThePowerSweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink. happy to be with you here for another episode. And happy to be talking after a Packers win this week. A win is a win is a win. And even if it wasn't the most spectacular win, even if there aren't necessarily any long-term things that we can draw out of it, I still think it's important to, to be happy after win. And there's a lot to be happy about. One of those things is Romeo Dobbs, who we'll talk about here in a second. We've got listener questions today. All of our discussion is going to be framed around listener questions. And the first one is, is somewhat of a comment and also a really good question. Uh, in our Discord server, and I'll tell you how to join that here in a second, Uh, FMP 330 had this to say after our our recap podcast, and we brought up the LeFleur microchip theory again, how things don't always go well for the Packers if one big thing goes wrong. He writes, in MMA, they say that once you are rocked in deep trouble, something like that, you come back to your roots, something you're comfortable with. So the wrestlers start trying takedowns. The boxers start trying to swing, and so on. In light of yesterday's game, especially when Aaron Jones dropped the ball and things started to go south, is there something the Packers can go back to? Something offensively they can use to recompose themselves? It's a really good analogy and a really good question. And it brings out actually one thing I really like about combat sports: is not watching them live, watching them after I know what to happen because what it, what what has happened? Because then I always know what to look for. I really like watching, in fact, old Muhammad Ali fights because you can watch strategy a lot more if you know, as a layman, somebody who's not into a sport like combat sports, super, super deep. If you know what to look for, it really is is an interesting thing to watch. And this is the sort of thing that you can watch for. Uh, a, a fighter starts getting into trouble, whether it's MMA or you know any other any other kind of combat sport, boxing, things like that. A guy gets in trouble, or or a girl, whoever. happens to be fighting, they fall back on something they're comfortable with. I don't think the Packers have really anything they can fall back on right now, except for a pretty limited selection of some run plays and some short passing stuff. The thing is, I think that they will. And I think we are seeing early on just how in progress this work in progress offense is. This is a very unsettled unit right now. And I don't think anybody has really spoken in-depth about how unsettled it is, but look at two groups of players, the offensive line and the wide receivers, and think about how different they've been from week to week. In week one, your starting offensive line features Yash Nyman at left tackle, Jake Hansen at right guard, and Royce Newman at right tackle. In week two, the left side is the same, but the right side now features Royce Newman at right guard and Elton Jenkins at right tackle. In Week 3, the right side is the same, but on the left side, you've got David Bakhtiari at left tackle and Yash Nyman rotating in from time to time. And both Matt Lafleur and Aaron Rodgers have said in the past, just this year, that that instability on the offensive line has affected some of their their play calling. They're less willing to go deep with the offensive line in that sort of state. At wide receiver, just look at the, the top four players getting snaps week in and week out. In week one, the top four receivers getting snaps were Sammy Watkins, Christian Watson, Randall Cobb, and Romeo Dobbs. In week two, the top four were Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins, Romeo Dobbs, and Christian Watson, in that order. In week three, it's Alan Lazard, Romeo Dobbs, Randall Cobb, and Juwan Winfrey. You've got a rotating cast of characters on the offensive line. You've got a rotating cast of characters at receiver, that's a lot of instability, especially as you're still figuring out what things look like in your post Devonte Adams offense. That alone would be a big enough challenge. But on top of that, the Packers are shuffling these guys in and out all the time. Right now, they don't have anything they can fall back on. But I think it's going to come because things will eventually get more stable one way or another. Even if somebody drops out, you're not going to be making this many changes week in and week out all season long. It's just not going to happen. It just can't be that way. Sooner or later, you're going to develop familiarity with enough guys that your offense is going to be at least some version of a stable product. And I think that's when you're going to see the Packers offense start to take off a little bit. And I think that actually plays into some of the Packers strengths long-term because I think they'll be peaking later in the season. Hopefully you start playing your better football down the stretch rather than trying starting out hot and trying to hold that together as things sort of fall apart as they inevitably do for every team in the NFL over the course of the season. They're going to develop. Things are going to get better. It's not going to be this way forever because sooner or later, they're going to get enough healthy guys or enough guys healthy together that they're able to develop some continuity. Then you'll develop the things that you can fall back on because you'll have something of an offensive identity when you start getting all those things sorted out. One of those big pieces is Romeo Dobbs. Great performance in week three, and we got a great question from Old Packers fan in our Discord server about that. He writes, Dobbs looked like a wide receiver one against Tampa. Does he retain that role when Sammy Watkins and Christian Watson return? I'm not sure, and I don't think whatever happens with the Packers' receiver room in terms of the packing order is necessarily a reflection of the individual roles that they have or an assessment of their quality. When Devontae Adams was around, he was unquestionably the top dog because he was by far the best receiver. He was not necessarily the fastest, but he had the best hands. He ran the best routes. He was the most familiar with Aaron Rodgers. He was unquestionably the best receiver in the offense. And even other things aside, which I'll talk about in a second here, I don't think there's any one guy who's ever going to be that one player for the Packers, whether it's Dobbs or somebody else. I think his, his real competition is going to be Alan Lazard for the top wide receiver spot, not Sammy Watkins or Christian Watson. Lazard, while not the fastest, is, I think, probably the most versatile at this point in his career, and he certainly has the most familiarity with Aaron Rodgers. He's going to be their top option, I think, for, for a while yet. Dobbs has got a ways to go before he he gains the level of familiarity that Alan Lazard has, or even that Randall Cobb has with, with Aaron Rodgers. Cobb is still going to get plenty of looks on, on third down situations. Lazard is too. Dobbs has to, to get into that kind of category before we can really talk about him as a wide receiver one type role. However, I think old Packers fans' question here, targeting Watkins and Watson, is along the right track even if Dobbs isn't going to be the unquestioned top receiver in the Packers' room, the role is the important thing. The depth chart position doesn't really matter. The role is important. And I think in week three, we saw Dobbs doing a lot of the things that the Packers wanted Sammy Watkins to do. His first catch in particular, sort of an in-breaking route in that 10 to 12-yard range, very similar uh, to... Watkins' first big catch in week two, that play-action almost seam route early in the game there. Uh, Play-action, Aaron Rodgers hits the top of his drop and just rips it to Sammy Watkins over the middle, an in-breaking route that Watkins more or less just broke off because Rodgers saw that he was going to be open and just let him have it. Dobbs got a little farther into the route than Watkins did on that play, but it's still the same kind of concept. Watkins eventually would have come across the field a little bit more. We saw that from Dobbs, and eventually he runs kind of away from the defense across the field, gets open, and it's a, and it's a great play. That, I think, is going to be the sort of thing that, that Dobbs can offer, because although he's, he's fast, he's not going to be doing the, the sort of entirely speed-based stuff that Christian Watson does. I think we're still figuring out exact comps for a guy like Dobbs, but he's somewhere to me between like a Greg Jennings and a Jordy Nelson in terms of a, a skill set. Nelson, a, a pure, a pure deep receiver, just one of the best there was, and uh, did did a great job of finding you know intermediate routes, holes in the zone as he aged. Dobbs have some of that sense as well, but he's also just a Smooth intermediate route runner. And that reminds me a lot of Greg Jennings. And his body composition looks a lot to me like Greg Jennings, too. Just a long limbed, smooth running sort of guy. That really, to me, do, is going to define his game a lot more than just the pure speed that Watson has. So, short term, probably something like, you know, like we saw on Sunday, just filling in wherever he's needed. But they're going to work that kind of Sammy Watkins stuff to him uh, when as he continues to develop, and I think after even Watkins returns, if and when that will happen. I don't think Dobbs is in a lot of direct competition with Christian Watson, because Watson's ultimate skill set, I think, is is different than Dobbs in that he is just the pure, like, drag racer speed. Uh, he can stretch the defense laterally, I think, more than than Dobbs can just because he's he's considerably faster, and he can get vertal, vertical a lot more than Dobbs can because he's faster there too. You'll see uh, Dobbs do things more like from a trips formation as the number two or number three receiver, so the middle guy or the guy all the way closest to the offensive line, I think more than Watson. I think Watson's going to be more pure outside sort of stuff, either just going deep or running a lot of jet motion type stuff. So that is a long way of saying that even if Dobbs isn't ultimately like the top wide receiver in the depth chart, he is going to have a role. And I think he is going to carve out a role that he will retain even when guys like Sammy Watkins and Christian Watson return. Before I get into the the final two questions I want to take a look at today, I want to give some shout outs to Patreon supporters Lance Spellman, Nick Murano, and Sword and Savior. Each of them have joined our Patreon team this year, and I'm grateful to their support. Uh, grateful for their support and the support of all of our patrons and want to give you the opportunity to support us there as well. Patreon.com slash The Power is the place to do it. And it is uh, the best way to support The Power Sweep. Uh, you contribute any amount of money you wish per month. You get access to a little bit of bonus content. Uh, you get access to our Discord server where you can talk with Packers fans from all over the world. And as of the last couple of weeks, enjoy a new feature here and uh, watch Blue 58 episodes be created live and have a little bit of interaction with me uh, after I record and, and work through the edit and, and get it uploaded and stuff like that. It's a great way to uh, to interact and, and hang out with the show, and it's a great way to support a show as well that doesn't do any sort of advertising. So this is all the advertising you're ever going to get. I was talking about stuff like this. So patreon.com slash thepowersweep is the place to contribute, we would be grateful for your support at any level you would like to choose. We've got another question from Old Packers fan here, and I would like to, to dive into it, too, because it touches on something that is a small but potentially almost like a, a signpost sort of thing a place where we could look back and say, this is when things changed for this particular player. The question, on defense, Quay Walker blitzed more against the Buccaneers than previous weeks. Is that simply to get pressure with edge three and four in the the game or a shift in Joe Barry's strategy? This is an interesting question because it is certainly a bit of a sea change potentially for Joe Barry But we are on the very, very early edges of it. And you'll see exactly what I mean by that as we sort through this a little bit. So to answer the question first and foremost, I don't know if it's indicative of anything right now. But there are some little tidbits here that make you wonder about how something like this could be used in the future. In weeks one and two, Quay Walker lined up as an outside linebacker for three snaps total. According to Pro Football Focus's uh, player charting. In week three, he did it for seven snaps, played four snaps at left outside linebacker and three at right outside linebacker. In terms of rushing the passer, in other words, passing snaps where he was not in coverage, in week one, he had zero snaps where he was on the field for a passing down but not in coverage. In week two, again, zero passing snaps where he was not in coverage. In week three, though, he went after the quarterback 11 times. He had 11 pass rushing snaps. That's all the data we really have on Walker's use as someone going after the quarterback so far. Very, very limited. But I think it's noteworthy in that it's also very different from what we saw in weeks one and two. An 11-snap jump from zero to 11 is pretty significant for a guy whose role has been pretty clearly defined through two weeks. And I don't think it's just that the Packers were trying to get their edge rushers, you know, a breather in the Florida heat. I don't think it's just that they don't necessarily have confidence in their third and fourth edge rushers. I think this is an expansion of Walker's role, and it's something we're going to see more of in the future. He may not be perfect as a blitzer. His acceleration is not, like... Well, he's not Christian Watson fast in terms of acceleration, but he's plenty good for a linebacker. And I think we are going to see more of this kind of thing in the future. He's too good an athlete to not try to get him involved in pursuing the quarterback in some way. And in a game where you're not playing with somebody with the insanely fast release of a guy like Tom Brady, who was getting the ball out even faster than we talked about in our preview, we... we. In, in the preview leading up to the Tampa game, we talked about how he's getting the ball out in, on average in 2.26 seconds. I think on Sunday it's something like 2.19 seconds, so almost a tenth of a second faster than his already insanely fast snap-to-throw time. If it was against anybody other than that, the Packers probably would have more had more pressures, and Walker may have had some of them. As it stands, he had zero this week in 11 opportunities, that's not necessarily saying all that much against Tom Brady because very few people get pressures against Tom Brady because he's so good at getting the ball out quickly. But this, I think, is the start of something. It's at least different than what we've seen before, and different is always worth paying attention to because going forward we can say, okay, maybe this is when things started to change for Quay Walker, or they did this once, why didn't they go back to it? Final question comes from Discord user No Misery. And uh, the username, well, it doesn't necessarily fit for this question. The question pertains to Aaron Rodgers. It goes a little something like this. That Amari Rodgers is not meeting expectations from a third-round pick is obvious. And it's apparently there's some bad luck with the third round in the last few years. When do we count a player picked in the third round as a success? Of course, it's difficult to compare different positions, but are there some overall criteria? For example, could you say if he's a starter for at least two years, that's good enough? I think asking a third-round pick to be a regular contributor isn't a big ask. A starter may be a bit much. It's going to depend on the player. But a guy who can contribute week in and week out shouldn't be that big of an ask out of a third-round pick. And I'm not talking like someday as a third-round pick. I'm talking pretty much immediately as a third-round pick, being ready to contribute contribute and contributing when you're asked to. I think basically to if you want to put a definition on it I think you're looking for a guy who's basically like a sixth man in basketball not necessarily a starter but someone who's good enough to start in the right circumstances and who's definitely useful in the right role maybe you need a guy if you're if you're sticking with the basketball analogy maybe you need a guy who's great at shooting three-pointers and you're just going to bring him in and he's going to shoot three-pointers for the the 25 minutes a night that he plays or 20 minutes a night that he plays. Maybe he's an elite defensive stopper. Maybe he's the guy who comes in and gives your, your point guard a break when he, he just needs a little time uh, late in a quarter uh, as you're trying to get him a little bit of extra rest or something like that. It's a defined role. It's a guy you trust to contribute in that role and a guy who can contribute pretty early on. So with that criteria, that loose criteria, very admittedly, set out. Let's go back through the Aaron Rodgers era, 2005 to present. What kind of success have the Packers had in the third round? We're going newest to oldest. So the most recent third round pick is Sean Ryan. No real data on him so far because he's been a healthy scratch for two out of the last three weeks. Not looking good so far. It's year one. We'll give him a bit of a break. Amari Rodgers in year two can't seem to get on the field. He does return punts, In the words of Aaron Rodgers, Omari's returning for us. Other than that, he can't seem to get on the field. Seven snaps through three weeks is not going to get it done. Not looking good for him. Josiah DeGuara, if we go back to 2020, certainly does have a role in the Packers offense. Is it a big role? Not really. Is it an important role? If you ask Matt LaFleur, probably yes. If you ask anybody else, I think they'll give you a maybe at best. Is he a contributor? I lean no. And that's probably grading a bit harsh because he does have a pretty clearly defined role. But if you take him out of the offense, what are you really missing? The next one, 2019, Jay Sternberger. 18 games with the Packers, never really a factor. Definitely a no there. Orin Burks, special teamer, but never anything else really other than that. That's a miss there too, I think. Montrevious Adams, never a regular contributor for the Packers, played 45 games, three starts, one and a half sacks. That's a miss. Prior to Adams, you got Kyler Fackrell, and this one gets a little bit tricky. Was he a great player? No. Was he a good player? Probably no, but he's a useful player. Well, kind of, I would say. His stats were never great. Even his double-digit sack season was mostly fake. There was a lot of stuff in that season that he got credit for in the box score that was not necessarily his doing. Was he useful in the role that he played? Kind of yeah. But do you want your third round pick to be more than your third or fourth edge rusher and a part-time special teams player? I'd say probably yes too. It could have been worse for Kyler Fackrell. There has been no seventh-round pick the Packers have made in the intervening six years since Kyler Fackel. That's been as good as he was. But you probably want a little bit more. Same kind of goes for Ty Montgomery. He was definitely useful for a time, 2016 in particular, a really good season for him, switching from run, uh, wide receiver to running back, um, a good contributor during the run-the-table run there. No real longevity, though. Availability, always an issue for him. And then, of course, there was the play during the 2018 season um, when he brought out that kick against the Rams, ends up fumbling and costing the Packers a, a chance at coming back in that game. Prior to Ty Montgomery, you've got Kyrie Thornton. He was, on previous episodes of Blue 58, my precedent for cutting Amari Rodgers before year two, two, because he was so bad. He was literally never active for a game for the Green Bay Packers, and they cut him prior to heading into into year two. Ultimate, ultimate miss in the third round is Kyrie Thornton. Richard Rodgers predates Thornton. He's kind of the Kyler Fackrell of tight ends. If Fackrell was not a good athlete, wasn't necessarily bad, but you probably wanted a little bit more out of your third-round pick. Certainly sure-handed, he could never really do all that much Um with the ball in his hands, but hey, no matter what happens, we'll always have the, the Hail Mary. Alex Green, third-round pick. Injuries really derailed his career, so that's a, that's a miss there. Next three, we don't have to spend mo- much time on because they're all obvious hits. Morgan Burnett, Jermichael Finley, James Jones. Boom, boom, boom. Three, three great picks there. Aaron Rouse. We're almost to the end here. These are all the third-round picks from the Aaron Rodgers era. Aaron Rouse, it's a no. Uh, big, tall safety. He didn't finish his rookie deal in Green Bay. He did have a 99-yard pick six against Peyton Manning, which is is saying something. There's, it's a pretty short list of guys who have been able to accomplish that. And on top of that, as far as I've been able to tell, he is the only third-round pick in the Aaron Rodgers era, who is the is a city council member in his hometown, currently sits as an at-large member of the Virginia Beach, Virginia City Council. Good for you, Aaron Ross civic responsibility is important. Last two third-round picks. Abdul Hodge, linebacker out of Iowa. Fun start, didn't last. Only made it a year in Green Bay. That's a miss. Jason Spitz to round things out. A useful backup for his rookie deal, and then another year, a contributor on the Packers Super Bowl team in 2010. I think I still call him a miss in terms of getting a big contributor out of your third-round pick. So where does that leave us? It's not a long list, of obvious hits. I think you've got three. You've got your Michael Finley, James Jones, and Morgan Burnett. Beyond that, I think you're arguing about whether it's Kyler Fackrell, Richard Rodgers, Ty Montgomery, Oren Burks, or Jason Spitz as the fourth best third round pick of the Aaron Rodgers era. The bar is pretty low setting the bar as a contributor is pretty low. And outside of those three that are obvious hits, finding a guy who's even been like a a guy you can count on week in and week out is pretty hard. I don't know if it's a curse. I don't know if the Packers should just trade their third round pick every year. But it hasn't been pretty. And it hasn't been pretty for a long, long time. And we need Amari Rodgers or Sean Ryan to turn it around here real quick. Else we're going to be adding to that list in the very near future. So I've got for you on this episode of Blue 58. I appreciate you listening in. I appreciate all the questions we get from from everybody everywhere and uh, just your continued interest in Blue 58 and the Green Bay Packers. If you enjoyed this show, I would appreciate it a lot if you would share it with something you who, someone you think would enjoy it too. That's going to help more people find the show and get more people involved in this conversation that you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us, me included become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.